Welcome, everybody. This is Tuesday Morning Grind, episode number 45. Today, we have Mel Shakir with us. Mel is the Managing Director of Dream Adventures, where he helps cybersecurity companies grow their business with strategy and capital. Also, the founder and CTO at privacysteward.org and held prior leadership positions at places like RSA, McAfee, and Goldman Sachs. Mel, thanks for being here. My pleasure, Christian. Thanks for having me on. So you have uh, kind of the background that I want is to start some successful companies and then eventually be able to advise them and, and be on advisory boards and things like that. So how did you how did you get here? What did your career look like in terms of you know becoming an executive, being an entrepreneur, and now kind of getting to advise? Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me tell you this: that it wasn't planned; <laughs> it just happened that way. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy with uh, the way things are right now. Uh, so uh, you know. My career started back in 1993 um, when I graduated with a master's degree in electric power engineering. I worked for about 10 years, you know, tried to gain some experience. Uh, I had a consulting company back then as well. I did a bunch of IT work, then got into security. And then at that point, I, you know, it started to get repetitive and I felt like starting up a company. So in 2003, I launched InCash. That was actually a database monitoring company. And I think that is the first and most important leap an entrepreneur should take that, uh, you know, start something, yeah. right? And, and, and you start, uh, the ball starts rolling at that point. So that's exactly what happened for me. Started in cash about a, a year and a half into it. I saw an opportunity to merge it with a company called Ripple Tech, which is outside of Philadelphia. It started in New York initially. So we merged those two companies. Now we had uh, two products uh, and we had a few more people. I, I had only three people on my staff. We had about 10, now we were 13 with two products. We grew that a little bit to about 3 million revenue, and we sold it off to a company called Nitro Security. And I got an opportunity to become a CTO of that combined company. So now there were three companies with three products all combined into one. And we grew that a little more to about 30 million ARR and sold it to McAfee. So that's how you know the ball uh, started to roll, and that's where we ended up. Since then, I had opportunity, like you mentioned, to uh, you know be in uh, some leadership roles at uh, RSA, Securonix, uh, in some of the other places, uh, but um, I was able to utilize experience, you know, right from InCash all the way, uh, you know, uh, to uh, Securonix the last 18 plus years. When, when you started InCash, did you envision it going down that way? Did you kind of start it with the intent of maybe exiting it or you just identified a business problem and was going to build a business out of it? Yeah, uh, you know, I was so inexperienced. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. when I think about it and when I started uh, uh, I was mostly a technology guy, uh, a developer. Uh, so, you know, product development, product management, that was kind of my area. Uh, you know, sales came to me uh, later in life. That was actually the primary reason for a merger with Ripple Tech. They had sales folks uh, who knew how to sell, but they needed a, a new next generation product to sell. So, no, I had no idea. Uh, and I was not thinking that far. Uh, yes, like every entrepreneur, you know, uh, especially starting off a company in early 2000s, we were seeing, uh, you know, you know, lots of activity going on in the startup world. I too, of course, had the ambitions that hey, this could be big someday. Yeah. Uh, it turned out to be moderate, but uh, but nevertheless, I think uh, it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, I think starting off, I, I've never been an investor, but I, I would imagine that like there's a lot to offer other entrepreneurs when you've kind of been through that journey a few times, and in terms of you know what it's like to bootstrap and the struggles there. You know what it's like to go through a couple acquisitions and join teams and have some success. So that's a really cool journey. I'm sure helps you advise on the companies you're advising on today. 
Absolutely. You know, you can empathize with the uh, with the other founders and startups and uh, you can make it a little easier for them. When I started off, I didn't even realize, you know, what is the importance of having a mentor? Uh, and I had no idea, you know, how difficult it would be to raise capital uh, or get early traction with customers. Uh, and, uh, you know, these are exactly the things that I help startups now to kind of make their life a little bit easier. Uh, so I'm, I'm invested a lot in making sure that the startups that we invest in at Dream Adventures, we help them become successful, especially they need a lot more handholding in the early days. Mm -hmm. So you're at Dream Adventures now. I saw there's like a healthcare IT side and there's the security side that you focus on. How, how did you land it at Dream It? What, what was the, uh, the path from, you know, going from executive into investing in startups? Sure. Uh, almost like everything else in my career, it was not planned. <laughs> You know, a thought would occur to me, oh, maybe that is interesting. And somehow, you know, the universe aligned and, you know, those things yeah. happened. I, I just don't know how. But I thought about, uh, uh, you know, after I spent almost 20 years in product development uh, and I hit my 50s, um, I thought, you know, maybe it's time to slow down a little bit. But I truly do like the energy of the startup. So I can't slow down too much. I still have to be connected with them. And just then... Uh, a friend of mine, uh, you know, uh, he told me about an opportunity with Dreamit. I'd heard about Dreamit. It's a local company in Philadelphia that had a really good reputation and things just worked out. Uh, they had, they were initially focused on health technologies and, uh, you know, there are 130 plus companies in the portfolio just on health tech alone. And that kicked off uh, uh, a new vertical, secure tech, just a couple of years uh, prior to that. And uh, the gentleman who started that, you know, he had decided to move on and take a uh, CISO role at another company. Uh, so it was wide open. I had just the right experience, had started startups, uh, and uh, it was back to get in the game, but in a, on a different side uh, as an investor. So, so that's uh, how it all happened. It just happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have a, a, an eye for letting things just happen, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I've never been afraid of change. And actually, that's one of the things that I, uh, I really uh, need. Every two, three years, I... You know, I feel that it's starting to get repetitive and to do something else. Uh, and um, uh, even when I joined Securonix, uh, uh, they were friends of mine before I joined. And I kind of had an agreement with them that I'll help you for three years. After that, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to have to find something else to do because, uh, you know, that's how I am made up. Right? Yep. Well, this so, yeah. is perfect for you then because now you get to dabble in you know, 100 <laughs> different ventures all at once. Um, so talk a bit. All right. So the privacy and security space. This is, uh, I think everybody sees the opportunity in terms of huge market, tons of potential, big yeah. problem to solve uh, on both security and the privacy side. Are, are you, as you're as an investor, you know, I imagine you have criteria in terms of is the is it scalable? Uh, how big's the market when you're when you're seeking investment? But what are some of the trends you're seeing? Are there like huge gaps in the marketplace that you're looking for people to fill in terms of innovation, or what's the pattern you're seeing? Absolutely. And being in the security space now for almost 20 years, um, uh, if I go back those 20 years, uh, you know, there we were just getting started, right? Uh, and, and the technologies that's evolved, it was whatever was the need of the R we built. Well, you needed a network defense. So we had a bunch of network tools. We needed something on the endpoint to secure the endpoint. So we got endpoint tools and it just kept on and on and on and on. And now you have at least 20 plus major categories in cybersecurity. But now is the time 
uh, and I'm, we're starting to see a lot of innovation as well around it, that it's time to rethink cybersecurity uh, because uh, the trends that we're seeing now, especially the digital transformation, and what it means from the security perspective is a lot of the, um, the workloads are moving into the public cloud. Uh, in some cases, pub, uh, private cloud as well, but a lot in the public cloud. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, public cloud vendors like Amazon, Azure, Google, uh, they're providing a lot of foundational security, which is really good. Uh, many of the old technologies that we had, uh, especially for network defense and stuff like that, they just don't have a good fit in the new world, in my opinion. And uh, also many of the technologies of the past, they are very heavy in terms of uh, uh, the, um, the feeding and caring that it takes. The new, uh, uh, the new infrastructure that's available through cloud and through edge computing presents some great new opportunities to rethink uh, and deploy security. I'll just give you one example. Uh, uh, you know, in the old days, uh, even now, a lot of companies, you know, when they want to access uh, their systems uh, from a remote location, they might be using VPN, right? Now, VPN, what it means from a security perspective is that you have given connectivity to someone into the enterprise, right? So there's a network administrator who has given you some credentials. After that, you need a, somebody in the identity team um, who is going to give you access into the applications that you need to access. And then there's a security team who's going to monitor your access to make sure that you're not you're using it in the right way, right? So there's no misuse. Already there are three teams, and the minute you got a VPN access, you basically got access to the network. And now the identity, uh, the person who's creating your account and credentialing, they have to make sure that you have the right access. Uh, you'd see how many layers got added in and how complex it is. How about we could provide all these functions as microservices on the edge, closest to where you are, uh, and not have anything to deploy on-prem whatsoever. Right? It could all be delivered in the cloud. So these are the kind of opportunities that are available now. Yeah. Uh, in the new world. And uh, what this is what we look for, transformation technologies that are going to make things at least 10x better, not incrementally better, leveraging some of the old technologies, but rethink security. Um, at what stage are you typically investing in companies? Do you do like pre-seed? Are you looking at early ventures or later later rounds? Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, our sweet spot at DreamEd is uh, pre-seed and seed. Uh, we will invest in pre-revenue companies, you know, if it is, uh, it's a really good, uh, idea, like I said, transformative, with a great team that we feel you know can deliver that on that vision. Uh, so we have done it a few times, uh, but for the most part, our sweet spot is uh, seed and pre-seed. Series A usually is a follow-on investment for us. So that's such an interesting time to invest in a company because yeah. they largely have an idea. A lot of times, like you said, they're pre-revenue. So yeah. what are you looking? What, what's your investment criteria? Are you basically investing in the team and the idea at that point, or they're other factors you're considering? Well, team is a very important part because uh, you need to have confidence that the team can deliver and uh, not just the product, but also the execution, right? Um, uh, of course, the product, uh, so there, there are a few things that go into play, right? So one of them is uh, the problem, right? What problem are they addressing? And uh, you know who's feeling that pain and how much pain? So what that translates into is that is there a market for that? problem, right? If you can, can we repeat it again and again? So we need to understand that market for sure. Uh, and the solution, you know, how differentiated it is, 
is it just incrementally better than the other 25 other players in the market or is it going to be substantially better 10x uh, if many of these things add up uh, you still need the team to deliver that so team is still very important but all of those other things the problem the solution the competitive differentiation uh, and that market opportunity has to be present for us to invest how do you how do you guys find opportunities because to me it, it it baffles me a little bit because you know you're hearing lots of ideas you guys are just must be masters at like uh differentiating like good ideas from bad ideas but you know someone's got to nail that pitch if you will in terms of telling you why this is truly a unique problem why their team's the right team yeah and then i imagine you guys have to be pretty good at efficient due diligence on the background to kind of vet an idea yeah. What what does that process look like? Are you listening to like dozens of pitches every week and then trying to differentiate that? You know, what's yeah, the inside yeah. baseball? You know, I meet almost 300 companies in a year, uh, and that's a lot. Uh, it's also very good because we get a very broad perspective of the different ideas that are coming to play. Uh, it is important, uh, you know, the experience that you have in cybersecurity or I have in cybersecurity definitely helps me a great deal because not coming in fresh. Uh, security is a little bit complex. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, uh, there are 20, like I said, there are 20 subcategories, uh, major subcategories in security. And to be understand, to get an understanding of each one of them is really hard. Even when I was uh, in product development, product management for all those years, I was so focused on things that I had to deliver, log management, SIM technologies, IDS, IPS, the ones that I'd been associated with, deep packet inspection. My knowledge had grown very deep in those areas, but it was uh, you know, high level in some of the other uh, complementary categories in security. But coming to Dream It changed that for me because uh, uh, I needed to have a much broader perspective. And by meeting all these companies and all these uh, you know, uh, entrepreneurs you know, coming up with the ideas and pitches, uh, that started to broaden my horizon. That is actually one of the things that really interested me about getting on the venture side of things that it not, doesn't necessarily um, kind of reduce the learning. It actually increases it because uh, every time I don't understand something, I go in and try deep, try to learn more about it. Um, so I can say now that I'm more smarter in security broadly than I was even before. Sure. Um, but the process is, is, uh, is tedious. It might seem that it's straightforward, but yes, I do meet 300 companies. And so there's several pitches every day. I had two yeah. this morning. Uh, and then uh, we end up selecting uh, in a year about eight or 10 max that we would invest in. So you can see that's a very small percentage. And for all of these things, like we talked earlier, right? The problem, the solution, the differentiation, and that market opportunities is there. All of that has to come together. Only then we're going to make that investment. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, it feels like you're you're chasing the deals. Uh, it, it takes a lot of effort uh, to find the right companies. Are, are there particular problems, uh, just based on having seen so many pitches yeah. over the last couple of years, are there particular problems that you're kind of just waiting for someone to solve? Like this is a big security problem that no one's nailed yet? Uh, yeah, there are quite a few. Um, and, you know, there are, I won't say that, you know, companies are not trying. Uh, so they are uh, in, in almost every category. Uh, you know, there is, there are some innovative players and, uh, uh, you know, time will tell whether they are, uh, you know, very effective. Now, in some cases, they may be narrowly addressing the problem and then they have to expand their market. But uh, uh, in cloud, for example, right, uh, there, there are a number of things that are at play right now. Uh, 
uh, everything from uh, uh, you know cloud application security uh, to cloud uh, you know workload uh, cloud security posture management uh, and you know what cloud means in terms of uh, the shift left right uh, or uh, the uh, the continuous uh, uh, development life cycle mm-hmm. which is which is which has affected security a big, in a big way as well. Uh, what I'm thinking of right now is DevSecOps, yep. right? So DevOps and the DevSecOps element to it. Uh, there are a number of companies who are trying to address this API security because now uh, you know applications are not standalone; they're integrated deeply with so many applications. Uh, there is this concept of it, uh, and then there are so many. Uh, if you just move from the technology side, even into other things that impact uh, or there are opportunities in uh, security. Cyber insurance, which is a completely different angle to it, right? Uh, we are still learning things over there uh, in terms of cyber insurance and how to insure uh, companies for cybersecurity. Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, 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 you know, there is a lot of opportunities. And then there are some new areas, right, around IoT and automated security and uh, distributed AI. Uh, there are so many homomorphic encryption. Uh, and all of these were designed to address specific pain points. So, for example, uh, you know, uh, we went from uh, the AI demanded that we bring a lot of data together and we analyze it. But then privacy says that, well, you shouldn't bring all the data together because it belongs to other people. Leave it the way it is. And you should be able to analyze it where it is. That brings it to distributed AI, right? And then there's, but the data is really sensitive and it cannot be uh, in a decrypted format. So you have to analyze it while it is encrypted. That brings into homomorphic encryption, right? And then you have quantum uh, computers coming in who could break security the way it is today. So you have to think about making it quantum proof. So there's uh, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of stuff going on where you can innovate. Yeah, I hear, you know, you hear the buzzwords, <laughs> but um, one thing I think kind of coming to a head is uh, like decentralization and, and kind of blockchain. You see some of these mm-hmm. de- decentralized data centers and uh, like with what folks are doing with Ethereum and, and some of those to develop some really cool tools. It felt like it felt like two years ago that was a buzzword, and now you're kind of seeing some of that come to fruition, which is pretty cool. Uh, when when you hear these buzzwords like blockchain, machine learning, AI, you you think that's just hype, or are you seeing some pitches where people are really doing some cool stuff with it? Yeah, you know, so underneath those buzzwords, uh, what I try to get is into the depth of you know what it means, because blockchain is is just technology that you can utilize for so many things. It's a distributed ledger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, so I get the benefits of that, right? Uh, that it is uh, immutable, uh, you know, and you can have great auditing capabilities. Um, but, you know, what is, how is the solution actually leveraging that to its advantage, right? Uh, so blockchain by itself doesn't solve a problem. Uh, you know, uh, it, is, uh, it is part of the solution, right, that is addressing that problem. Yep. Um, and and when I talk to startups, you know, this is uh, uh, a lot of times I give them feedback, right? They'll start off with the buzzwords and blockchain, and uh, what I'm trying to get them back to is, you know, what is the problem, uh, and what is their solution? I just talk about that first, right, and the benefits of that as opposed to features and technology part of it, and then we'll get into the details of understanding whether how you implemented it and why that implementation, the architecture might be better than your competitors. How, how good are you, 
how, how long into a presentation before you know whether something has legs? Like I imagine your instincts must be pretty sharp <laughs> at this point. Is it like a it couple minutes? It gets better over time. I'd say that. Yeah. Yeah, it gets better over time. Uh, yeah, but uh, sometimes, uh, you know, it's in the first few minutes you can get it. Uh, whether the team, for, for example, is important, right? Uh, and how they articulate their pitch uh, really is, is a starting point. It's the first thing that might get you excited. Well, yeah. he really articulated the problem well. And if they don't articulate the problem well, that is a red flag already. Uh, so pretty early in the pitch, uh, you know, you can start to understand that. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really cool skill that I admire <laughs> for, for anyone who's doing the volume of like pitches that you are, just ability to ingest all of that stuff. So once you get your, you know, your eight or 10 into the door, um, how are you outside of capital? How are you guys helping them? Is it like uh, team structure stuff, milestones? I'm sure it's all sorts of ways, but what are some of the ways you guys help some of your companies? Yeah, so at, uh, at DreamIt, you know, we have a very structured program for them. And uh, this program existed before I came here. And uh, the methodology is, um, it's, it's for, for, for one, it's referred to as the growth program. So we have a secure tech growth program for security startups. And then we have a health tech growth program for health tech startups. So in the security program, in both the programs rather, uh, we have two main concepts. One is investor sprints and customer sprints. And the investor sprints were designed to help startups raise capital. Now, before they go on the investor sprint, we do a lot of coaching with them to make sure that they get the best outcome from those sprints. So we're meeting with the startups on a regular basis, you know, sometimes twice a week, even thrice a week, whatever it takes, uh, but at least once a week, making sure that they're ready. Uh, typically, when our companies, DreamIt companies, go on an investor sprint, they easily get 30 to 40 meetings with strategic investors in a two-week time frame. That two-week time frame is what uh, uh, this is the reason why we call them sprints because that's in, in the, in the you know that's how sprints are referred to, like one or two-week, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, quick iterations. Yeah, like the agile development sprint. Right, exactly like the agile development. Exactly. Uh, and uh, and then we also have customer sprints. And which are designed to give early traction, customer traction, to explore commercial relationships, design partnerships, um, uh, you know, channel partnerships with uh, with important uh, 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 players in the market. So um, uh, and and potential buyers, of course. So the, again, the customer sprints are designed to be two week sprints. We try to get them twelve to fifteen curated meetings, which means on the back end, there's a lot of work for us to maintain all the relationships with all the decision makers uh, at, at a large number of companies. Because when a security company comes to us, uh, they might come back and say, hey, I'm a privacy company. Uh, I only sell to mid-market, uh, you know, and I address the CCPA compliance, which is only applicable in California. So now we're looking for retail companies, potentially, you know, that I have, uh, you know, uh, that qualify for uh, or are mandated by CCPA compliance. Mm -hmm. So you can see the difficulty over there in terms of getting them curated meetings. Uh, but we try to do, uh, we maintain a lot of relationships and uh, we have some idea of the pain points those uh, customers are experiencing or the needs that they have. Because at the end of the day, the meeting is going to be valuable if these companies are going to be addressing or fulfilling a need that the company has, right? So it's, it's like, almost like BizDev. Uh, we don't try to replace the BizDev ourselves, but because uh, we've been in the industry for a long time, we hold some of these relationships, we're able to accelerate the process. It's hard for a startup to get in front of a, 
uh, CISO of a large company mm-hmm. uh, because there are just too many people trying to do the same thing. Yeah, especially if you're pre-seed or pre-revenue, like those yeah. iterations where you get to talk to 15 potential customers and pivot. I imagine that's huge. Exactly. But for us, uh, they know that Dreamit is going to be an investor. And they've already pre-vetted the 300 companies and they've got eight. They have got to be good. Yeah. And if they're addressing a pain point that I have, it might be worthwhile my time to have a 15-20 minute prospecting meeting. So that's how we design it, the customer sprints. These are you know, prospecting for all the parties involved. Uh, it's a 15-minute pitch. Uh, in fact, the pitch is only five to seven or eight minutes. The rest of it is Q&A. This is how short and uh, precise we keep it for the CISOs. They don't mind joining for half an hour and meeting two companies, right? Um, so our companies get on two investor sprints, uh, you know, based on their needs. Uh, we have four sprints in a year, but we do a lot of heavy lifts in the back to make this whole thing smooth for them. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking through... You know, back early in our journey, uh, we we were lucky because we started as a consulting company, so we were kind of client facing all the time. But upon reflection, what we were really doing was customer discovery. And I could just see, like, if if I could have started off with like twenty CISOs right off the bat, that would have been so helpful to me. And then on the investor side, how much art do you think there is into pitching? Because I feel like you could have a great product that solves a big problem. But if you can't articulate that fairly well, that's that's rough. So how much coaching goes into that? Well, uh, for serial entrepreneurs, you know, who have been through the journey before, it could be a little bit easier, but for uh, some of the entrepreneurs, it can be a heavy lift. Uh, so we meet, uh, you know, very technically savvy founders, but uh, they're not ready to pitch to investors. And it does take you know, a fair bit of handholding uh, to get them to that point. We want them to be successful in their investor sprints. So uh, you know, everything from pitch decks, um, uh, you know, and there's a bunch of stuff around fundraising and pitching uh, that they need to be ready about. Uh, we actually have a really nice uh, uh, at Dream Adventures. You know, one of the things that we have been doing to help startups is creating these uh, short pragmatic videos, uh, which we call uh, Dream It Doses. And we have a whole playlist of them. Uh, uh, one of our partners, uh, Steve Barsh, he, he takes a key lead role in developing these pitches. But uh, pretty much, uh, you know, how to, uh, you know, how to have a killer competition slide. Uh, you know, how to, you know, how to articulate your uh, go-to-market strategy, uh, or uh, you know, how to talk about traction, or how do you crush with the uh, crush your demo when you're pitching, right? All of those things, right, that uh, will be part of the pitch, uh, the presentation, the demo, et cetera, has to be done in a thoughtful, articulated way, concise, precise way, right? Because, and the way we coach our teams is, you should be able to do this in uh, 10 to 12 minutes. Even in the investor pitch, which requires about 15 or 17 slides, you should be able to do that in 12 to 15 minutes. Because if, if you can't get somebody's attention that much time, uh, you know, you're never gonna get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, and the most important thing is the, about that, uh, Christian, is the storytelling, right? And the storytelling has to be accurate. Uh, in every story, you know, there is a, um, there's a plot and the characters, right? And this is also goes back to product management, right? That is my background, right? In product management, the first thing that we do is uh, we put ourselves in the shoes of the, uh, the user. And, uh, and we say, you know, what is the pain point he has and what are we developing for him that is going to make his life easier? Right? So you have to be always thinking about the character and how he's, and what is the plot? In this case, what is the pain? Uh, so uh, 
that we help them get that story right, right? When somebody, I'll give you an analogy, right? Uh, uh, just making this up right now. <laughs> but uh, when somebody comes back and says, hey, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm selling a shoe that is, uh, 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 that is going to solve a problem, uh, you know, going to solve pain related to the arc of your foot. But when they're pitching to investors, uh, you know, they talk about the shoe and they talk about how comfortable it is and, you know, how they can jump 300 feet with it. Uh, uh, and they have not helped the investor understand that your initial playbook is specifically for the people who are having a pain in their foot due to the, due to the arc. Uh, and it is a repeatable story. There are so many different, so many people who have the same problem. So you have the XYZ market. And then, of course, you can, because they're going to love it so much, that they're going to expand into other markets and they're going to be doing all these wonderful things. But in that category, there are hundreds of other players who are doing those things, right? They're making jumping shoes and et cetera. But that storytelling, right, that, you know, what is the pain that you're solving and that there is a market for it. Uh, you know, somehow startups are not great at it and we kind of help them through that process. Yeah, I think it's because you get stuck so far in the weeds trying to figure out the nuances of a problem because you could take something like access and identity management you know if you're in the weeds you're thinking about all the apis you have to talk to but all the, the different yeah. tools that you have to integrate with and you forget you have to zoom out for an investor and tell a story and talk about why it's a big problem why does it matter yeah. so I'll, I'll bet there's a lot of that when it comes to startups i can imagine for myself that that would, that would be a pretty big challenge yeah i can see myself you know 20 years back and 15 years back I was making the same mistakes, right? Uh, and we would get caught up in the features because as engineers and developers, we would, we would be so excited about them. We want to explain all of that stuff, but the person sitting on the other side may not even get it. Uh, and they, need, they only understand in terms of benefits. And uh, uh, you have to be able to talk the right speak. Now, when you're with CISOs, for example, right? And you're doing a technical sale and depending on the CISO, you still want to talk about the benefits, but they may be interested in the architecture. They may want to go a little deeper in certain areas, uh, right? Uh, so you might have to be ready to adjust to those uh, different people that you're speaking with. Have you noticed trends in what makes a good entrepreneur or a, a good team that you're trying to invest in? Are they typical, typically like previous entrepreneurs, uh, you know, fresh out of college? Is there any pattern you've seen? No, they've been across the spectrum. But, uh, you know, if somebody's done it once, you know, they have some lessons learned for sure. Mm -hmm. um, the kind of entrepreneurs that I like, uh, even first time entrepreneurs, uh, the ones who recognize that uh, you should be working with customers from day zero. Uh, those are the entrepreneurs I really like uh, because when they come in and say, hey, I just had this idea and I run this idea by 20 CISOs and this is what they said. That's a great uh, uh, you know, way to start a conversation because they're showing that understanding of the customer segment and the pain, right? And the problem that they are trying to address. Uh, that is the kind of entrepreneur we like to talk to. Uh, Unfortunately, we do run into a lot of entrepreneurs uh, who have spent two years, three years building product without talking to a single customer because they think they know the customer mm -hmm. uh, when they're going to find out uh, only later that they didn't exactly meet all those requirements. Yeah, the customer is, uh, I think, for so we're, we develop products and uh, I would say early on in our journey, we suffered from the, we have a good idea, we'll develop this and release it. And because we understood all of our, uh, our our messiness, I guess you could say, when we actually released the product, no one used it how you're expecting them to use it. Or they get confused at places you don't expect them to get confused. And the earlier you can get those customers involved to really ridicule your idea and help you sharpen it, 
yeah. the better it is. And uh, that's such a hard problem to solve when you're a technical founder and you're and you want to lock yourself in a room and just develop a great product, but you got to talk to customers because customers are customers. the lowest common denominator. And yeah. I love what you guys do with that the sprints. That's a great idea. Just doing that in rapid succession and getting all that feedback. Yeah. How many of your uh, how many of the companies that you invest in make major pivots after those sprints? Is it pretty common for them? Like, all right, dang, after that twenty feedback session, I need to do, make some big changes here. Yeah, no, you'll be surprised. Uh, quite a few, and sometimes you know, in our sessions when we get started, uh, when we onboard a company, the first thing we start off with is. Uh, Let's understand who your customer is and the customer segmentation. Mm -hmm. And you have to know your customer before you start building, spending more effort on product. Right? The product strategy comes from your go-to-market strategy and not the other way around. Uh, and um, so uh, uh, many of the custom sprints are also designed, uh, if they're especially early on, to get feedback directly from the decision makers to say that whether they're on the right track or not. And, you know, uh, whether either hitting the main pain point or which is a must have that they would really pay for today, as opposed to this is great, but uh, you know, it's not a must have for me, right? So, based on that, uh, I see a lot of companies who start with a broader scope, narrowing it down. This is exactly what we try to tell them is that uh, solve one problem. Even if you're going to address a bigger market later on, you first need to get your foothold with a strong competitor differentiator. That is a major pain point, right? That will get you in the door. That is the only way we can also get you in the door, right? Or you can get in the door. Uh, and, and once you're there, then, uh, you know, uh, you can think about market expansion with your product. So uh, start focusing, narrowing down your efforts on a, maybe even a subset of what you were trying to achieve before. Um, I see that happening a lot. Uh, I, you know, we do steer, uh, and again, rather than going broad across the market, if, you know, you have experience in specific areas or it, it could just be that uh, the initial customers, you know, came from a certain segment, you can start to focus your sales marketing efforts on specific verticals rather than just going across. There are many things you can do in terms of strategy. Uh, we have seen companies pivot from uh, uh, in their, um, in their, from the hardware model to I'm just going to lease, uh, the, you know, the, the hardware to you as part of a service. There are different kinds of pivots, uh, you know, we have seen companies make successfully. How long are uh, companies typically in your ecosystem before they get their next round of investment um, on average? So, uh, uh, you know, when, when once they get their Series A, uh, you know, they're pretty much for us, they're like birds who are ready to fly off the nest. Yeah. Because they've got a lead investor and, uh, you know, we, uh, we're still part of the family. They reach out to us quite a bit. Uh, hey, uh, uh, I, I need... To hire more sales folks, I need a channel partner. Uh, can you help us out? And we're doing that all the time. In fact, we bring our uh, alumni back in the customer sprints quite often uh, because if I know that there's a specific need that our alumni addressed, we still bring them in. But for the most part, uh, the companies are in our program for about a year. Uh, so uh, you know, by the time they finish both the customer sprints and the investor sprints, it could be that long. Uh, after that, they're kind of ready to fly off the nest. It's pretty quick. That's that's a success story. You can go yeah. pre-seed to or seed to Series A within a year, and get all that goodness. Uh, that's a great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the most part, yes. But you know, uh, one to two years is not uncommon. Yeah. Well, Mel, I appreciate it. the The ecosystem that you guys have put together is awesome, and 
helping out the cybersecurity space because we need it. Um, if folks want to check out Dream It Ventures and, and contact you or contact people and they're thinking about getting funding, maybe want to go through the program, what's the best way to get a hold of you or, or get more information? Well, I'm pretty, pretty easy to reach on LinkedIn. I'll answer almost every inquiry that I get. Uh, even if it's not a fit, I at least say thank you for reaching out to me. So uh, yeah, uh, you can find me on as Mehlam or Mel Shakir on LinkedIn. On my email, I usually respond to that as well, mehladreamit.com. And we do a lot of doses. So if you just come to Dreamit website, uh, you'll find all our contact information. You might even find all the information. You may never need to speak with me. Uh, so, uh, and I'm, I'm open for that as well. And, you know, we help out with office hours as well. So even when companies are not a fit for us, we know that we would never invest in them because our structure doesn't allow us to. For example, today we invest only in U.S.-based companies because that's how our fund is structured. Uh, but I will take calls with Korean companies, Japanese companies, uh, you know, companies from anywhere uh, if they feel that, if I feel that you know, maybe they, we could help them a little bit, right? And it will going to benefit them. So we can do that all the time. Uh, so even if you just want to run a great idea by me, uh, available. Um, uh, and these are all the ways to reach me. Excellent. Yeah, I can double down on the Dream It dose. I read some blog posts there and a great resource. Love what you guys are doing. Thank if you. you're listening to this and you like content like this with entrepreneurs, security professionals, privacy professionals, you can te- check out Tuesday Morning Grind on any podcast app that you listen to podcasts, or you can go to YouTube and search Risk 360, and we have a bunch of free videos out there. We're putting out security content all the time. If you're looking to build or certify your security program or your privacy program, you can reach out to me, Christian Hyatt, uh, and check us out at risk360.com. Mel, thanks again. Thank you, Christian, for having me. Talk soon. Bye. Thank you.